We turn again in your Bibles to uh, Lamentation chapter 3. If you've got your Bible here, I want you to open up there in Lamentation. Lamentations. And um, it says Lamentations because it's not only one lamentation. It is a, a lot of things that the prophet Jeremiah was talking about. Now it is Jeremiah who wrote Lamentations. And we also know that Lamentations is written about a city. It is actually the funeral of a city. This mighty city, Jerusalem. He writes about that city. The Babylonians came in. And this thriving city was taken over by them. And now the city is lying in ruins. And he writes about it. He writes about the proudness of the city. And then how the calamity came upon it. And... You know, preparing and thinking about what I want to preach today for the church going into 2021, this came upon it. You say, but uh, preacher, you're starting with lamentations for 2021. You should preach an uplifting message, but you will see it is an uplifting message. Now, I know a lot of you follow that we're going through the book of Mark. We're walking through Mark and we're still going to continue with that. But I just prayed over this time, and uh, there's a few messages that the Lord has laid upon my heart, which I want to preach. One of those, if I said to you already, is, you know, He found me, and we're going to preach that sermon. Keep me to that. Amen? Let it brew. But today, we want to talk and preach out of the book of Lamentation, chapter 3. If you have got your Bible, follow. If not, follow on the board. Chapter 3, verse 21. The word of the Lord says, This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Somebody say amen. amen. Because His compassions fail not. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. To the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The Lord bless the public reading of His word. I want you to make a mental note of this. And if you haven't got your Bible here this morning, I want you to go home afterwards. Go and search this passage. Underline these words. Even take a piece of paper and write them out in your own handwriting. Make it your own. Put it in your pocket. Put it in the inside of your jacket. Then put it on your scooter. Wherever you go, take these words with you. And even better, brother and sister, learn it off by heart. So that you don't lose that little piece of paper. But that you know those words in your mind. And the more you repeat these verses, something wonderful is going to happen. The words in your mind is going to come and live in your heart. And you will live by the word of God. These are the days that is calling that the children of God should live by the word of God. 
These are not the days for the children of God to run around frantically looking for hope in the world where there is none. These are those days. I've preached about it for the last 25 years. I've known men before me preached about it for the last 100 years, 200,000 years. And these are those days. These are those days. We are living in it. So it's important that you take these and you live by them. Because I'm telling you today, which is today, that the wheat will be separated from the chaff. And we need the Word of God. We need the Word of God. We need to live by the Word of God. This to me, if I look at it, is the greatest confession of faith that is found anywhere in the Bible. These words here. It's the greatest confession of faith. By the weeping prophet, Jeremiah. And this is, what, this is what makes it so fantastic to me, that this man, in his calamity, as a weeping prophet, when people look at this prophet, they say, Oh, Jeremiah, everything that you say is so negative, that he turns around and you find in the book of Lamentations of all books, not in Psalms, not in the New Testament books, but in this book, you find one of the greatest confessions of faith by this man. Now, if I ask you to search a passage out of the Bible to uplift people, would you have gone to Lamentations? Would you have? But you see, somebody said it so beautifully one day. They say that in the mire of the darkest clay, a white rose or a white flower stands out the best. And this is what we're living in. I want to talk to you today about the faithfulness of God. The theme for today is great is thy faithfulness. And I want you to shout hallelujah right now. Say hallelujah, praise God. Because great is God's faithfulness. You know there was a, a poet, Thomas Chisholm. He wrote this poet down and I want to read this poet to you. Because it became one of the greatest songs that we sing in our Christian churches. This man in the 1800s sat down and he wrote over 900 poems. But when he came to these poems, he selected something like 100 or, or 200 of these poems and he sent it to a minister in a church who was preaching and he said, do whatever you want to do with these ones. This minister of the church was musical and he put a lot of the poems to music or music to the poems and it became really beautiful hymns. And we know the song as we sing it, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. Just as I read those words, brother and sister, I want you to think about the faithfulness of God. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Hallelujah. Think about those words. It's scriptural. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. Who can say amen to that? 
Man, if I can start telling you about the dreams that I've had, I'm not talking sleeping dreams, the things I wanted to achieve as a young man. Listen, young people, I praise the Lord that He saved my soul in my 20s. In my 20s, I had dreams for myself. I had ambitions, but the Lord took those ambitions, and you know what? He fulfilled them in His name. He says, morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto me. Summer and winter, and springtime and harvest. Have you noticed that covers the whole year? 365 days. Sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness. To thy great faithfulness, mercy and love. Have you sang that song? All of us did. We sing it in this church. Great is thy faithfulness. I want to talk to you about that faithfulness. I want you to walk out of this place this morning knowing about the faithfulness of God. I want you to look into 2021 and when all of these negative things and all of these thunderstorms and the clouds and the economy clouds and all of those things is coming up in the horizon, I want you to think about what? The faithfulness of God. Don't trust in this church. Don't trust in me. Don't trust in the person next to you. Trust in God. Now, I'm, I'm not saying distrust me, Okay. Don't get me wrong there. Great is thy faithfulness. And again, I believe this is one of the greatest professions of faith in the Bible. And I want you to go and underline it. His confession of faith. There was uh, in October 23, 1983, there was a big bombing that happened in Beirut. In a... U.S. military camp, and while the soldiers were sleeping at night, there was a massive, massive explosion that happened, and many soldiers died, and a lot of them lost their limbs, arms, and legs. It's horrible, terrible. <clears throat> you can go and have a look. It was one of uh, Reagan's, President Reagan's darkest hours, he says, in his own words. Lost, losing so many lives on foreign soil. But it is said that uh, one of the commandants, uh, Paul Kelly, visited some of the hospitals in Germany where they took some of these soldiers. And he, and he walked through the wards. And as he came and he walked through the wards, he saw a man lying there, one of the soldiers. And they said there were so many pipes going in and coming out of his body. He looked like the machine. He looked like it. And this man lying there, he was a corporal. Jeffrey Lee Nashton, that was his name. And as he was lying there with all of these tubes going into his body, and he saw his leader, he motioned for him. He wanted him to come closer to him, and when he asked him for a pen, and he wrote something on a piece of paper uh, for this commandant to see. And the words that he wrote on this piece of paper, and they gave it to the commandant, was scepter fi. Scepter Phi. It was Latin, which means faithful to the end. Here was a young man who said to his leader, I was prepared to give my body for my country to the end. 
You see a lot of people, if they think about faithfulness, they associate it to death. I will be faithful till I die. That's a very touching story, isn't it? But I've got one better. You see, I see the Son of Man, the Son of God going into a garden the night before He was going to go to a cross and lay down His life. And He knelt down and He started praying for you. You say, but preacher, here I am in 2021, I'm young and I'm all of this and I've got a family and all. How could He have prayed for me? He didn't even know me. Yes, He did. He knew you. And if you want to talk about faithfulness, go and read his prayer. Have you read the prayer in Gethsemane? Have you? Because that is the ultimate sign of faithfulness. He said, Father, there is a cup that's coming, the cup of wrath of God, which I must drink. Father, let this cup part from me, but if it's your will, I will drink that cup. You know what it means? It means he was going to die for you and for me on the cross. That is a better story. That's a better testimony than this young man, Nashton, who was lying there and who was going to give his body for his country. You know, it amazes me that people will sign on a piece of paper and say, I will give my life for this cause, but they will not give their life to Jesus. What a faithful God have I! He gave His Son so that we can live. One had to die so that you and I can live. And this is what I want to talk to you about. Let's go to Jeremiah's words again. And let's back this confession of faith this morning. He says, this I recall to my mind. Now, when you read that, you need to read the first chapter. And it is so wonderful that if you look in the first, cha- uh, in the first words from verse 1, he's talking about anguish. I want to give you a picture of this man. He says, I am uh, I'm the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He was talking about a city here, but, you know, uh, Jeremiah is taking it personally. And he says, I've seen the affliction. This is Lamentation chapter 3 verse 1. He Three, surely he has turned his hand against me time and time and again throughout the day. Verse 4, he has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. Have you felt like that sometimes? Have you felt that your bones are broken? Not physically. I'm talking that the weight of the world is so upon you. Nobody can listen to you. You're living in circumstances. You just want to cry out, but it sounds as if nobody's listening. Have you been there? This is anguish, people. This is a difficult part of your life. And nobody can understand you. And the louder you speak and the louder you scream, it sounds as if people become deafer and deafer and can't hear. Do you know what I'm talking about? And here he listen to this man. He says, and broken bones. He has besieged me, has surrounded me with bones. And whoa! Have you felt like that in your life? I speak to a lot of people and I can find a bitterness in them. And then he says in verse 7, He has hitched me in so that I cannot get out. He has made a chain heavy. 
Even when I cry and shout, He shuts out my prayer and He has blocked my ways. He has hewn stony and has made my paths crooked. This is what comes before, He says, this I recall to my mind. This is what comes before that. He paints a dark picture of struggling. I prayed about this message and I believe this is it for 2021. Some of us might be sitting in this church and you say, preacher, you don't know my circumstances, but you are talking to me. Well, it's not me talking to you. The Lord speaks to you. The Holy Spirit does. Some of us, and I said it when I started today, they say, oh, 2020 is gone. Oh, thank God. Put it away. Thank God. The world cries out because 2021 is going to be better. Who knows? Who knows? Could be darker. They talk about new strains. Have you heard that? You don't want me really to talk about what it is. Okay? I don't want to cite. I don't want to, don't want to get away from the Word of God. I want to give you the Word of God. There is a darkness that's coming upon the earth. But listen to this. He says, all of these things, he says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. And we need to understand, my brother, what did he call upon? What did he call upon? When he said this, therefore I have hope. How can somebody have hope in a really difficult situation? It doesn't make sense, does it? This is what I want to tap into. What is it? What is the basis of this hope for him? And he says it to us. The basis for the hope is because... He says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Oh, I see a lot of people being consumed by their problems. So consumed. And you know how you know that? You can just listen when they start talking. It's just about their problems. Go and ask Job. Who knows who's Job? You read the first part of the book of Job, and it's, oh, mocha, trocha. It's just the same story over and over again, Job. It's this. If it's not your toe, then it's your leg, then it's your knee, then it's your back, then it's your head, then it's whatever. But it is just a calamity, calamity, calamity. And you know what changed Job's life? When he started focusing on the problems of others, he goes, they've got it worse than me. We are privileged sitting in this church. We are privileged. We are privileged because we are the children of God. So what is the basis of hope that he's talking about? It's because we have compassion that fail not. The, the compassion of God fails not. His faithfulness is great. This is why he says, I bring this, I recall this to my mind. Therefore I have hope. And this is about the faithfulness of God. It is a tremendous encouragement for us in our days that we live. If you think about the faithfulness of God, when people's hearts fail them, you need to tell them about the faithfulness of God. Man will fail you, but God will never fail you. So what is the basis of hope then? How can this man say these things in one of the most difficult times of his life? And, and we need to ask the question, what is the proof that we have that we can trust God, that we can have faith in God, that we can have hope in God? What is that basis? What do we stand on? And it comes down to this, brother and sister, God's character. 
Do you know God's character? I'm going to give it to you. And for some of you, this is not going to be new news, and for some it will be. Okay? First of all, we need to understand that our faith is based on our understanding of God. You can write this down. This is so true. Your faith is based on your knowledge of God. This is why the world has got no faith in God. Why? Because they've got no knowledge of God. This is why they use God's name as a swear word. And you know, I used to get upset when I do that. But now I don't. You go, what, preacher, what am you saying? Because the God that they're talking about is not my God. Because I tell you one thing, if they know that God, they will fear Him so much that they will not use His name as a swear word. They are swearing the wrong God. It's not my God. We judge God through the eyes of our environment. That's what we do. In your life where you live, that's where you judge God. You've got circumstances that you're going through, and it's really tough circumstances. And when you look at these circumstances, you know what you do? You put them down on one part of the scale, and you put God on the other side of the scale. And because you don't know God, guess what's going to win? Guess what's going to weigh heavier? Your circumstances. They're going to weigh so heavy. And then you're going to look at God and say, God, but you're not there for me. Isn't that what a lot of people say in the world today? You know what they say? When a calamity happens, when a disaster happens, what's the first thing people cry out? Where is God? Wasn't He supposed to be here? 9-11, that's what I've heard. Why would God allow these things? It's because they don't know God. And this is what your faith is based on. But you see, Jeremiah knew all these circumstances. He went through the circumstances, and still he says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Now what did he call to mind? Let's get to it. The character of God. Let me give you a few of the characteristics of God. The attributes of God. First of all, God is omniscient. Did you know that? That means that God is all-knowing. He knows everything. What does everything mean? Well, it means everything. He knows every single detail of this world. He knows every single detail of the atom. And He knows every single detail of your life. Psalm 147 verse 5, He says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. Who knows what infinite means? There is no end to it. That means, my dear brother and sister, that means in your circumstances, He knows exactly what you're going through. And He knows what you're going to go through tomorrow. And did you know that He even knows what you think right now? And He knows even what you're going to say after this church service. He knows how you're going to respond when somebody pushes out on your, on your sore. He knows how you're going to respond. Psalm 139, For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, our Lord, know it all together. He knows what you're going to say. He knows what you're going to think. So why is this important when I speak about the faithfulness of God? If you want somebody that's going to be so faithful, you want that person to know your circumstances. Is that right? 
I mean, you come to me and you say, just give me a little bit of hope. I'm going to tell you all about my circumstances. And you start telling me your story. And you tell me about your circumstances. But will I know all of it? No. Because I don't live in it. You tell it with pain. You tell it with every single thing you're going through. And all I'm hearing is your But I have to live in your shoes to be able to understand what you're going through. But this is the confidence we have in Him. This is what He says. I recall to my mind what? God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows your circumstances. And because He's that, He can be faithful. Now let me ask you that. Can I be faithful like God? Can I? No. That means I need to know everything about you, Brett. I need to know everything about your life, your workplace, your thoughts. And if I'm going to be so occupied to study you, Brett, and I can study Brett for the next 20 years, and I even might not know him better than his own wife, but if I take 20 years to study you, where am I going to get the time to study John? And to get into John's life? And to get into John's mind? This is why we need to have somebody which is not a person. This is why, brother and sister, we can't trust on people. We can only trust on God. Yes. So this is why He is a faithful God. He's omniscient. Secondly, God is omnipotent. You know what omnipotent means? It means He's all-powerful. This is the God you serve. What does all-powerful mean? It means He's got all the power that you can think of. Think about this, Isaiah 43, verse 13. Indeed, before the day was, I am He. And there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work, and who will reverse it? Who will reverse it? He is all-powerful. There is nobody as powerful as God. He created the whole universe. He put everything together. He says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, when they dealt with that rich young man, and the disciples said, Lord, but can we be saved? He says, but Jesus looked at him and said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I want you to do something. When you go home and when you sit in your circumstances and you put it all on a table and you say, impossible, you are right. Then you need to write in brackets, for man. Because for God, all is possible. Why is God faithful? Because He is all-powerful. He can change your day and your life like that. He did it for this man. He did it for a lot of you. So He's, all, uh, he's omnipotent, He's all-powerful, but He's also omnipresent. Did you know that? He's the omnipresent God. What does it mean? It means that He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Even there where you think that you're alone in your room, just you and it's only me and nobody can see me, I've closed the door, I've turned the lights off, guess what? He's there. You say, look, I'm going to run out of the room, I'm going to jump on a ship and go into the middle of the ocean, where is God? He's there. He's everywhere. You say, where's the proof? Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 24. Can anyone hide himself in his secret places? So I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do I not fill the heaven and the earth, says the Lord. 
He fills everything. Now let me ask you a question. Think about Lucifer. Is he everywhere? Is he everywhere? No. He's not everywhere. Lucifer is not omnipresent. He's a created being. He can only be at one place at one time. And it amazes me then sometimes that people say, Oh, you know the devil is on my back. I go, you are a very important person then. You are so important. You are more important than, you know, some of the great leaders that he wants to make fall. Because, now he's on my back, man. He sits right on my back. No. No, no. It's the wiles of the enemy that's there. It's his agents that could be there. But it's not him himself. No, he's just an angel. He can only be at one place at one time. So whenever you say, oh, the devil is in my... No, no, no. It's his wiles that's getting you there. Go and read the Bible. Study God's Word. Flee. Resist him. That's what the Bible says. Present. And because he's omnipresent, he can be faithful. Proverbs 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on evil and the good in every place. Now let me tell you where he's also. He's also in your mind. What, what, what do you say, preacher? He's present everywhere. He knows what you're going to think. You say, how can he be in my mind? Well, if you think the next thought, this place in your mind where he is, where you store all of your hidden things in your heart, he knows about that. And this is why it's important to understand that that is his characteristics, that is his attributes, that if God is everywhere, then he can be faithful. He's the only one who can be faithful. You know, I, you, you say to me, preacher, you know, I'm going to do something on Saturday and I need some help. I need you to help me to lift some. You're a strong man. I want you to help me to lift at the pile of bricks. I'm going to, I'll be there. And you trust in that. And then something happened and I can't be there. Am I faithful? No. But God is faithful and He's everywhere. Let's continue. God is always truthful. Who can say amen to that? He's always truthful. In Titus chapter 1 verse 1, Paul, a bond servant of God and the apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and in knowledge to the truth which accords with godliness in hope and eternal life with which God, who cannot lie, promises before time began. God cannot lie. He's always truthful. So that means in your situation that you are, He's going to come and tell you the truth. You may not want to hear that, but he's going to be faithful to you. Uh, Titus, uh, that should be Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So why can we say that God is faithful today? Because he is omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's, he's uh, omnipresent, and he is always truthful. He's truthful. Finally, God is immutable. What does that mean? He's unchangeable. And I love this one. I love, and there's so many other characteristics of God. You need to make a study of it. But this one talks about changing. Malachi 3.6 For I am the Lord, I do not change. Hebrews 13.8 We use this one a lot. Jesus Christ is yesterday, today and forever. What? The same. He does not change. You say, so how does that help me 
to have faith in God's faithfulness. Let me explain how. If you read through your Bible and you read the account of all of the Old Testament saints and you read the account of all of the New Testament disciples, has God been faithful? Always. And because it does not change, the same faithfulness applies to you and to me. God is immutable. He do not change. So, Jeremiah says, this I recall. This week, when you're going to come into a difficult situation, what do you do? Do you fret? Do you run around? No. You recall on the faithfulness of God. This is what I say. How can we rest in the faithfulness of God? How? Now that you know these things, remember what I said about your faith. Your faith is directly applied to the knowledge of Christ. If you, if you want to grow your faith, study your Bible more. Know Him more and your faith will grow. So how do we rest in the faithfulness of God? Well, Jeremiah showed us the way. He says in Lamentation 3.21, This I recall to mind. What do we recall? The mercies of God, the grace of God, the compassion, and then we have faith. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, uh, when we come into temptation like we see in Jeremiah, he says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I'll tell you, brother and sister, over the years of pastoring churches and have people coming and talking to us about their problems. I've heard so many. And I'll tell you, there were times when I'm sitting and I'm listening to somebody and I go, I don't know how you make it. Because you're certainly stronger than the temptation that you're going through. The things that you're going through. I don't know how I would have done it. But these people are talking to us. And I can see how the Lord carries them through. And then this scripture becomes real to me. Because I won't be able to go through what you're going through. But guess who will? God will. Because He's faithful. So God is and wants to be involved in your life. <clears throat> he has a purpose and a plan for you. And He will be the end to see that to come to pass. He will be faithful to the end. Now let me say, and, and I'm finishing with these words, and I want you to listen, because this is where this comes serious. God is also faithful to the hypocrites. Did you know that? I've just told you now about how God's faithful to the children of God. If you are not a blood-washed child of God, if you are not saved by God, and now I'm not saying that, saying I'm going to church or my parents is Christians, that I'm also a Christian. If you who hear my voice today, doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter who you are, if you are not saved by the grace of God, nothing that I preached now for the last half an hour applies to you. Nothing. I'm sorry to say it but I have to say it. Because you can't call on this omnipotent You can't call on the omnipotent God. You can't. Or the omniscient God who knows everything. Because the Bible says in, in Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2, His ear wants to hear and His arm wants to help, but your iniquities has made a separation that He can't help. 
and you will struggle your life on your own devices. You see, but God is faithful to His children, but He's also faithful to the hypocrites. Who knows what's a hypocrite? It's an actor. Somebody who plays a part which is not. And where do you find hypocrites? You generally find them in churches, don't you? It's people who come in and they try to play the part of a child of God. They sit under the preaching and the Holy Spirit uh, come every single time upon their hearts and the Holy Spirit wants them to come and make a commitment for Him. And the Holy Spirit, He, he comes and He wants to save them. And, but they play the part very well, but there's no salvation. To these people, He's also faithful. Let me explain. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. <clears throat> he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So this notion that everybody will one day end up in heaven, what does the Bible say? Not so. Not so. He says, those who say, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. What is the will of my Father? Well, let's preach on that. Have you studied it? The will of the Father. May, uh, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? You say they play the part. Have we not cast out demons in your name? You see, they play the acting and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you practice lawlessness. So is he faithful to the hypocrite? Yes, he is. He's going to be faithful to them. If they come to Him and they say, Lord, Lord, we've done all these things, and He says, I don't know you, what's going to happen? They're going to be cast out. He says, I never know you. Depart from me. Never play with the faithfulness of God. And then finally, brother and sister, this morning I must say that He's also faithful to the unbeliever. He's also faithful that. God's not going to change all of a sudden because there's this great guy who's a hypocrite or this great lady. You know, they are so beautiful. They're so great. They've got such a great character themselves, but they're hypocrites. He's not going to change for them. He's immutable. But also then for the unbeliever. John chapter 3 verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Is God faithful to the unbeliever? You betcha. The wrath of God. And if you think this life, if you think the troubles of this life is heavy, the wrath of God. So this morning, my brother and sister, Take the words of lamentation, underline it, make it in your heart, and say these words that he said. I will have to reverse to the words. <clears throat> say, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. You have hope. All of us has hope if we recall this. Through the Lord's mercies we, have not, we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. Praise God. I thank Him that His compassion on my life has never failed. Never failed. He had pity on me. He's got compassion. They are new every morning. Do you know how I thank God that His mercies is new every morning? It means that you can never outlast them. You can never use them up. 
This is my portion, says this is my soul. Therefore I have hope in Him. And I love this part. He says, the Lord is good to those who wait for Him. The soul who seeks Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. And the soul who seeks Him. So if He's good to those who wait for Him and seek Him, He will also be not good to those who not. And then He says, it is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of our Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that we again was reminded about your attributes, your characteristics. And Father, because we know your characteristics, we know you are faithful. You are not like man that you shall lie. And Father, we thank you we worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do. Amen.